This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Welcome back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. It's hard to believe, but this is already our final episode in February, so we are wrapping up American Heart Health Month. I really hope you've appreciated the focus we've given to leading the way on this important connection between blueberries and heart health. Focusing on these new and emerging health properties found in blueberries is so important. It's good research and making sure we're all driving that awareness of what blueberries can be in an everyday diet. In fact, just this weekend, if you noticed, or you're one of the 219 million people that follow Dwayne Johnson, otherwise known as The Rock, he gave a nod to how he starts his day with blueberries. Apparently, he is getting ready for a new movie and wants to be in the best shape of his life. And he says that it's all about the diet. And he shows how blueberries are a key part of it, filming his plate full of food, It's something to check out. Heart Health Month is the first of six power periods in 2021 that are part of our new Grab a Boost of Blue program. We're headed into our second power period in March by celebrating Frozen Food Month. Our toolkit for Frozen Food Month has been loaded up and is ready for you to download. There you'll find some great resources, including a frozen fact sheet outlining 20 ways to love frozen blueberries. So just visit ushbc.org forward slash frozen boost to download those resources today. Today, however, we focus on the upcoming domestic blueberry season by featuring our first state that will come into production, a state with a rich history in breeding and production, a state in which those of you dealing with the recent winter weather probably wish you could visit. I'm, of course, talking about Florida, and I'm pleased to have joining me on today's episode, Brittany Lee, the executive director of the Florida Blueberry Growers and a grower herself. Thanks for joining me today, Brittany. Thank you so much, Casey. I really appreciate the opportunity to I speak with your listeners. Well, it's great to have you on the show. I'm excited to talk about Florida blueberries with you. But before I get ahead of myself, I thought I would just start off by having our audience get to know a little bit about you, your background, and what led you to your position at the Florida Blueberry Growers Association today and and how you got into growing blueberries. Sure. Well, first of all, um, my family is from the Gainesville area. My parents met in college and, um, you know, started their their family and their business there. I have an older sister and a younger brother, and I'm very fortunate that both of their families also live just outside of Gainesville. Um, my parents started a, an ag real estate business in the early 70s. Um, they were involved in rural ag developments, at which point one of the properties that they had uh, acquired in the mid-2000s uh, is actually the center of our current blueberry farm. Around that time, real estate seemed pretty tumultuous. You might remember the real estate crash around 2007. We'd always been involved in civiculture management, which is uh, pine trees, but made the family decision to move into something a little bit more commercially intensive uh, in agriculture. And then eventually you know, wound up with 
blueberries. And I know you've had uh, several of our University of Florida breeders and past breeders and in your podcast, but uh, Dr. Paul Lyreen was actually the first person I called to learn more about blueberries. And at the time, I had no idea how influential he was in the blueberry world. Um, you know, top two or three blueberry mines probably in the world. And he picked up on the first ring and, you know, talked to me for an hour and a half, which was, um, you know, both refreshing. And, and I've always been very appreciative of his conversations and advice. Yeah, I would say that uh, in my experience speaking with him on episode 26, I appreciate that, you know, he doesn't have any sort of air about him, you know, despite the fact that we recognize what he's accomplished in his career. He's so conversational and so personable. And it was just really easy to talk to him at a time that you'd otherwise, at least for, for me, being new to the industry entirely, like yourself, you'd be intimidated, but, you know, such a great guy. So give us a little bit of perspective on just, you know, how many blueberries uh, you guys grow and are all the family members involved with the production of blueberries or what's your particular role in the farm operation? So I am the vice president and farm manager. Um, The planted acreage was 112 acres until about a year and a half ago, we had to start cycling out some of the original 50 acre plantings. So right now, uh, this year in production, we have 61 acres, but we have the other 52 prepare and replant. And my uh, my parents, of course, are very involved. And then my siblings are uh, involved seasonally or you know as needed, but not on a regular basis and, and not in the production side. We had a chance, as you may have heard on one of our previous episodes with Dr. Patricia Munoz, discussing the VATCAP genome project in episode 31. But Florida in general has a you know an amazing legacy of blueberry breeding. How has that influence of Florida's breeding history or legacy contributed to the grower's success there in Florida? Well, in my lifetime, uh, the Florida blueberry industry went from a very small niche industry to the cornerstone of you know domestic production. We're the first state uh, to produce blueberries. And, and that's in large part due to the University of Florida IFAS breeding program. You know, the, the breeders there saw an opportunity to lengthen domestic production by filling a, a void and a gap. Uh, there was once, you know, three or four weeks of the year where the only fresh blueberries in the world were available from Florida, actually from my area of Florida. And that, like I said, is, is, predominantly because of the the work done by the University of Florida IFAS breeding program. And we're so grateful to that because they really helped build the commercial blueberry industry here. You know, 30 years ago, it was, like I said, maybe a 400 acre boutique industry, mostly rabbit eyes. Uh, and now we grow a Southern Highbush blueberry, which is larger, sweeter, you know, just more enjoyable for the consumer. Well, we have a lot more to dig into here, including how this year is shaping up and the anticipation of kicking off the domestic crop for 2021. As most listeners know, we like to provide the industry with a timely crop report from blueberry growing regions like Mexico, Peru, and Chile. So here, once again, is your blueberry crop report. It's time now for your blueberry crop report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry areas around the globe. Today, you'll hear from Juan Saria Morales in Mexico, Luis Vegas in Peru, and Andres Armstrong in Chile. This was recorded on February 24th, 2021. 
Good morning, everyone. This is Juan Soria Morales, Plant Health Inspector from Aneberris. In the next minute, I will provide you with the statistics about blueberry exports from Mexico for week 7, 2021. This week, we have seen a small increase of 70,000 pounds, around an increase of 2% in comparison with the last week. For week 7, we have exported a total of 3,927,000 pounds. Of this volume, a total of 3,740,000 pounds have been exported to the North American market. That includes United States and Canada. The total exports from Mexico today are 46,098,000 pounds. From this volume, we have shipped to the United States a total of 44,760,000 pounds. Next week, we are expecting to keep up with these volumes that is near to 3,500,000 pounds exported to all the world. Uh, so good afternoon, everybody. This is Luis with the crop report from Peru up until the end of week seven, which is the end, ending on February 21st. So Peru season is coming to an end. Up until this point of the season, Peru has shipped a total of 355 million pounds worldwide, which represents an increase of 33% versus the volume shipped last season. From the total volume ship, 53% has been shipped to the US, 35% to Europe, 11% to Asia, and less than 1% to other destinations. Uh, during the past week, week seven, a total of 0 0.8 million pounds were shipped from Peru, a slightly higher amount in comparison to the same week last year when we shipped 0 0.7 million pounds over the course of that week. From this volume shipped uh, during week seven, 90% was shipped to the US and that reminder was shipped to Europe. So that's the report from Peru. Thank you very much. Hello, this is uh, Andreas Armstrong from the Chilean Blueberry Committee with the Chilean crop report of week six. This is data up to February 14th. The harvest is coming to an end in the south central zone, leaving the last orchards with late varieties with very limited volumes. The southern zone also shows decreasing volumes and as is normal as for this time of the season, the harvest was interrupted by showers in the middle of week seven. During week six, everything developed normally without interruptions due to weather conditions. With this, the exports reached 8.6 million pounds last week and the accumulated volumes reached 239 million pounds. This is a 4.6% growth compared to last season. Of this total, 52% of the volume have been shipped to North America, 36% to Europe, and 11% to Asia. In terms of growth, the shipments to North America have increased by 8% and Europe by 14%. And on the contrary, Asia has decreased by 27%. Much of the increase in North America comes from organic blueberries until week six, Shipments of organics have experienced a growth of 28% to the North American market. Organic shipments to all markets reach 41 million pounds, which represents a 25% growth this season. With 97% of advance of the season, we expect decreasing volumes the following three or four weeks, with the total volumes for the season to be around 5% higher compared to the last year. So this is my report for the week. Thank you very much. 
Thank you so much to our colleagues from around Latin America who take the time to participate in these crop reports. As Chile and Peru's production winds down, we're looking forward to the return of domestic crop reports and the familiar voices from last year's crop report. So it's only fitting that we're talking with Brittany Lee from Florida as they prepare to kick off the domestic harvest season. Brittany, you all will be the first to know what the 2021 domestic crop is starting to look like. You guys help kick it off. You guys are kind of that bellwether or cornerstone, as you said. How, how are things looking this year so far from your perspective? Well, so far, we've had you know really great weather for optimal production. Uh, we had a significant amount of chill in December, which, of course, we needed. Uh, there were some cooler temperatures in, in January, but February has been you know, relatively mild uh, compared to recent years. So we would expect a very strong production out of Florida this year, as much as we've seen um, in record years in the past. Yeah. And, and what are you hearing from other growers in Florida? I know different regions, different sort of microclimates. Is it pretty consistent across the board? Great winter optimism going into this new season? Yeah, sometimes, you know, the North Florida area where my farm is uh, will get enough chill and, and that doesn't necessarily extend down to the Central Florida growing region, but that doesn't seem to be the case this year. It, it seems so far like everybody really has gotten the, the amount of chill that they've needed and there hasn't been any major weather events. You know, there were several farms seeing mid to high 20s uh, in one of the earlier uh, February freezes but nothing that I've heard of that uh, would affect, you know, production significantly. So we expect a, a really great year out of Florida. Is there anything you guys do? Is there like a ceremony? I mean, when does the first pick happen and where does that normally take place? Uh, I was actually uh, in Dover plant city area at the end of last week. Uh, and there is a small amount of blueberry production currently in the state. Uh, I would say limited and localized. Uh, but as far as a, a general impactful production, uh, I would expect the South Central farms and Central Florida farms really to ramp up, you know, mid-March and then through April and, and early May like we normally do. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, if there was an event last year that drew me closer to anybody. It was the pandemic and talking to you over the phone on the, all those many days, uh, kind of post shutdown, dealing with both USDA and kind of the, the aid that came forward from those challenging weeks. And, you know, you and I work closely on, on the NABC side, of course, as it relates to the advocacy efforts, but eventually resources were made available. And then work began again, because blueberries were left out of the category one original CFAP payment program for our farmers. And, and again, you were on the front lines for that, helping to uh, collect all the information we needed in order to present the data to the USDA and, and making sure that the calculations or the research was put in place to you know help folks understand the consequences of this shutdown and uh, our farms. You know, because of the work that NABC did along with Florida Fruit and Vegetable Growers Association and Florida Farm Bureau, we were able to get that category one specialization for or categorization for blueberries, which resulted in over four million, almost five million dollars back to the Florida grower uh, in payments, which was absolutely crucial. There was a seventy percent loss in sales in the first week of April as we were going into our peak season first the same week of two thousand nineteen. You know, so that money was absolutely critical for Florida growers. You know, it was a, 
a combined effort, but NABC did a lot of the legwork for that. And we're very appreciative. Yeah. Well, and, and being categorically specific, it, it certainly helped us narrow uh, in on where obviously production was taking place in those weeks and having that data and the work that went into just collecting from all the states, including Florida, of course. But looking back, you can see in the USDA reporting on CFAP and, and this Category 1 funding, uh, over 18 million went back to the industry in those payments for issues that were related to the coronavirus. So I acknowledge you and your leadership in you know, moving that forward during what was not only a difficult time for the industry, but you were in the throes of it with your farm yourself. So uh, credit to your commitment to our industry uh, during a very difficult time. One of those things that you were on the front line this year over is the 201 investigation, the US ITC investigation on the challenges being faced by global imports domestically here in the country went forward. And you were a part of the Proponents team provided testimony during the U.S. ITC hearing. I thought maybe we could just touch here a little bit about the process that just took place and the conclusion, the outcome. Sure. Well, of course, we as an industry are disappointed in the ITC's decision. But I I think that the investigation in general really brought to light a major issue that we're facing in Florida agriculture and agriculture in the southeast. Uh, and in U.S. agriculture, uh, it's absolutely impacting the blueberry industry nationwide. And it's something that I think we as a country uh, and as growers really need to seek out a way to to address this. Of course, there's competing regions that are uh, growing. I think earlier I said there was three weeks of the year where the only fresh blueberries in the world uh, were from this area of Florida. But that's no longer the case. And of course, we're not we're not against competition. We're not against capitalism. But you know, there's different labor costs. There's different production costs. Different governmental regulations. What we would like as Florida growers, of course, is a even playing field. But we're gonna we're gonna continue to produce blueberries. We're gonna continue to uh, go to work every day, just like we did in the pandemic, to provide our consumers with a safe and healthy product. Uh, that's healthy for them. And, you know, we're going to move forward. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, you know, about what moving forward looks like, as you know, here at the USHBC, uh, as a federal program, unable uh, to participate at all in any sort of way in those investigations and and had to stand down. In fact, both USHBC and NABC remain neutral, uh, both boards announcing a neutral position uh, when the ITC investigation was announced. But where does this leave us as an industry moving forward? What, what, what's your vision on next steps? I mean, our next step is going to be the same as it would have been had we won the investigation. We're going to continue to try to mechanize. We're going to continue to work with the University of Florida IFAS on better varieties. We're going to continue to get better and more cost conscious about our growing operations Unfortunately, we won't have any sort of temporary relief that is what we were looking for. But at the end of the day, we're still going to do the things that we were going to do uh, had we been successful. You know, we are an important part of Florida agriculture. We're an important part of the blueberry industry nationwide. And that's not going to change. And, you know, growers are passionate about what we do. And we're passionate about making sure that our consumers have you know, our product in their store. So we're going to definitely continue to do that. 
Well, and, and maybe you could speak to also the expectations you have for USHBC going forward. You know, as, as you look at, you know, the wind down or the conclusion of this investigation, what's your expectations for the role that USHBC need to provide for the industry in the weeks, months and years ahead? Well, USHBC, of course, is, you know, for marketing and promotion. And I would expect for them to continue to market and promote our blueberries as, as what they are, safe, healthy, uh, something that the rock eats every day. There we go. That's right. So important. And I think, you know, the one thing that I noticed in the work you were doing over all those many weeks was just the time that was spent and recognizing you know, the one thing about the positioning of USHBC having remained neutral allowed us to kind of say laser focus on what we do, which is, you know, the promotion and the research. And of course, on the NABC side, the advocacy of the industry. And so I know we're not going to be able to get together here this spring like we did last spring, but I'm looking forward to seeing you virtually during our spring meetings, which are just a few weeks ahead. Absolutely. And we're, of course, disappointed that the uh, meeting should have been held in Tampa. Uh, and we were excited in Florida to be able to host that. So I'm going to put it on the record that I have requested that we get back in the queue earlier than we normally would have. Um, because I do think that Florida is an important part of our national blueberry industry. And you know, I think it's important that we're able to showcase exactly what our growers are doing. We're you know, technologically advanced. We are trying all the new varieties. And, and there's a lot of new innovative growing practices that we're, we're doing down here. So let's get the meeting back in Tampa sooner rather than later. You bet. Well, I, I don't think you're going to have a lot of hard arguments against such a suggestion and return when we can return back together. I know that, you know, with our chairman on the NBC side is Ken Patterson there in Florida and uh, a lot of folks uh, around the country probably not going to oppose uh, a chance to get down to your neck of the woods and enjoy some of that Florida sunshine. So I doubt we're going to see a heavy floor debate on that one, Brittany. <laughs> appreciate you coming on the show, Brittany. Always appreciate working with you. And certainly Florida's fortunate to have you down there kind of leading the charge and, and helping uh, drive the awareness and the understanding of what it takes to grow blueberries there in Florida and around our country. So really appreciate you. Thank you for uh, being a part of the show today. Appreciate it. I just cranked down the AC one more degree. <laughs> now you're just rubbing it in. So we better let you go. Uh, but seriously, thank you so much. Alrighty. Thank you, Casey. Well, I always appreciate my time with Brittany. She's an industry leader who is always available and always ready to do whatever it takes to help drive the success of blueberries. Now, normally I'd end each episode with some key takeaways, but I feel it's important to acknowledge Brittany's disappointment in the conclusion of the 201. I and all of the staff at USHBC recognize domestic growers' frustration with the challenges of a rapid increasing blueberry supply in the US market. This is not just a Florida concern. We've heard this concern raised in our recent town hall meetings, connecting with growers across the US regions. As president of the USHBC, I do appreciate the candid calls and emails from growers giving voice to their concerns about the health and the prosperity of their farms and the blueberry industry. With the 201 behind us, we must recognize the importance of coming together as an industry and redoubling our collective efforts to drive increased demand across all consumer and customer channels through innovation and collaboration. The consolidation of production, global market pressure and increased supply, and the need to increase consumer consumption will always be there. That is the nature of modern global agriculture, 
And the blueberry industry is experiencing many of the same growing pains experienced by other global commodities. But I know that the blueberry industry is filled with too many smart, hardworking innovators for this to devolve into cutthroat competition and survival mode. USHBC, as a federal research and promotion program, is a grower-driven organization. Our legally mandated position and our responsibility is to work for you to drive demand. This is the mission originally written by growers and our annual demand building plans are created in partnership with growers and marketers. We work for you, but it is critically important that we also work with you together to help grow demand for the ever larger blueberry market produced every year. I wanna be clear that I, the USHBC staff, and the industry leaders that help guide our program are 100% committed to maximizing the appeal and relevance of our consumer messaging and the efficiency of the programs in reaching those consumers. But this program, to really work, it is very important that we work in collaboration with growers and marketers to build this US and global consumer demand and appeal for blueberries by increasing the consumption of blueberries in grocery retail with our Grab a Boost of Blue program that better reflects the taste and health benefits of our crop. In food service and food manufacturing channels through our Inspiring Possibilities campaign to increase the demand for blueberries and blueberry ingredients. And through our export channel efforts, open up new markets for U.S. growers and help promote the benefits of U.S. grown blueberries in international markets. Although it's been some time since we've had the opportunity to meet in person, please know that we are committed to working every day with our grower leadership and through our virtual town hall meetings to face these new and future challenges together. There is a lot more that can be done to improve and capture the opportunity still yet ahead for blueberries. It won't be easy, and it's going to take the kind of unity and collaboration that this industry has built over many years to tackle the growing pains that come from rapid growth. So I hope you'll join us and your representative leadership this March and in the weeks and months ahead as we go from here to address these challenges. Let's come together and drive demand for the business of blueberries.